Hello, and welcome to another episode of Between the Bites, weekly discussions on IT, cybersecurity, and business. My name is Derek Parkinson, and today we are joined again by Cody Ogden. Cody, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Doing great. Another day in paradise, I'll tell you that. That's right. (laughs) And for those of you who missed last one, Cody is our Director of Technical Operations here at Executech. The one who put together and now runs our help desk services for all of our clients. And Cody, last time we talked about what help desk does, what they don't do, and kind of the do's and don'ts of working with IT support in general, which was a pretty great insight into your field. And we're going to expand on that just a little bit, but at a bit of a different angle. Today, we're going to talk about some troubleshooting that most anybody can do on their end some tips and tricks that you've kind of put together over the years, and then some war stories from the IT department, which I think anybody who's worked in IT, help desk or in person, has some pretty great stories. So we'll dive into a couple of those. Yeah, absolutely. I got some good ones, I'd say. I have a whole folder in my pictures library of just like terrible IT tickets, and I'm pretty sure that's what I named it too. So (laughs) gotta love them. Just how it goes with the job. That's right. Yep. So let's kick it off with some troubleshooting tips that you've got. Yeah, no, for sure. Last time, I know we talked about a lot of the do's and don'ts and kind of what we discussed last time will kind of come into some of the tips and tricks and some of the things that you can kind of troubleshoot on your own as far as like do this or don't do this, things like that. But I definitely have a a few that we can go over. The more common one that most people are pretty used to, have you tried turning it off and on again? Believe it or not, like, yeah, IT people, they might come off as, I don't know, rude when we say that, or it's more like cliche, like, duh, I've already tried that. But I mean, at the end of the day, like, that's one of the first questions that most IT professionals ask when troubleshooting something. Doesn't matter how much you've troubleshooted already. At the end of the day, all we're looking for is, have you tried to reboot it, right? Have you tried to unplug it, unplug it from power, plug it back in? Uh, We do this a lot with routers too, right? If you call your internet service provider, your internet's not working at home or something like that. Uh, The most common thing is, have you tried to unplug it for like 10 seconds and then plug it back in and wait two minutes or something like that, right? That goes with literally everything. And that's something that you can always try on your own too, right? Like if you're having issues with something, maybe your printer's not working, maybe your file explorer on your Windows PC isn't coming up, you know, all sorts of things, any type of issue that you have, us IT professionals strongly recommend to reboot it just to see what happens. This goes with literally everything. It doesn't just have to be with PCs. It doesn't have to be with, you know, that particular stuff. Phones, if you're having issues with your phone, restart it. I restart mine pretty frequently, probably once a week, just to get a nice little reboot, get all the services back up and running, things like that. Same with like network switches or literally anything you have that is like, technology related and has a power button you should probably reboot pretty frequently believe it or not 90 percent of the time i don't know if it's a 90 percent, but most of the time if your printer's not working or whatever a, a simple reboot typically fixes the problem yeah so that's a good one for most <laughs> i've had a my car actually just the other day the bluetooth was being really weird on it wasn't working so i turned my car off and turned it back on and it solved the problem Absolutely. Yeah. And, and with things nowadays, cars are computers, essentially. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Power cycling is an absolute must. And for any of you who, well, most of us now working on laptops and have those at home, turn it off at night. 100%. 
my mom actually just earlier this this year was having a lot of problems with her computer and it hadn't been turned off in a few months. So yeah, that's that's when your computer does a lot of its uh, maintenance work. So make sure you're turning that off pretty regularly. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple kind of just tips for that with anything. I personally shut everything off when I'm done using it if I'm not going to come back to it quickly. I can go get lunch or something and be back in an hour. I'll usually just put my computer to sleep or something along those lines or just like leave it alone, come back to it because I know I'm going to be back there within the, within the hour. I would recommend, you know, if, if you're going to sleep at night, you're not going to be back on your computer for a good four hours or so, just turn it off. Everything's so quick nowadays. We, we have things called solid states. It's all flash-based memory. Everything is so fast nowadays that like we're not sitting like we used to five, ten minutes for everything to boot up. That was back in the early 2000s and whatnot. We're not doing that anymore. Everything's up in 20 seconds. So highly recommend and encourage everyone to turn their computer off, whether it's a laptop, desktop, doesn't matter. Turn it off when you're done using it for a long period of time. Yeah, you might not be able to get all your programs and things back up immediately, or sometimes you have way too much things like open at once and you don't want to lose it. Save it, close it, and it comes back up very quickly. Quick tip with Google Chrome as far as tabs go, if you hit Control-Shift-T, it brings up all your tabs that you had previously, even if you've closed the browser. So easy, easy win there. But yeah, simple reboots restart a lot of services, right? A lot of services get hung up all the time. They get delayed. When you reboot your computer, when you turn it off and turn it back on, it restarts those services and starts performing the way it needs to. It deletes a lot of the cache out of like the the RAM, right? That RAM is kind of saving some cache and information to quickly boot your machine up, to quickly do things. A lot of that gets cleared when you turn off the power, which is really good for your device. And another big one, kind of along the lines of when you're done using it, if you're using a laptop or even let's say your cell phone, I'd say most of us are pretty accustomed to just plugging in our cell phone at night while we sleep and just leaving it there and just constantly charging it for the rough six to 10 hours, depending on how many hours you sleep. That's constantly charging. And people do that with laptops too. They'll just shut their computer down and leave the charger plugged into the laptop. It's actually really bad for it. And you shouldn't do that. You're constantly just overcharging that battery. And that's why your phone doesn't last as long as it used to when you first bought it. That's why your computer doesn't last as long as it used to when you first bought it, right? You're constantly overcharging those. So make sure to always unplug that when you're at like 100% and then just let it drain the battery down to like 10% and plug it back in. Love it. So (laughs) sorry for the rant. (laughs) No, no, that's perfect. I like that a lot. Now you'd mentioned um, the cache. So that's another tech. We'll call it a cliche for lack of a better term is clearing your cache and cookies. In my experience, I work in a handful of anything that is an online tool, especially, at least on my end. So Facebook Business Manager, LinkedIn Business Manager, when you're managing ads, things like that, or currently I'm using Riverside FM to record this. Tools like that are actually pretty cash and cookie heavy to make them perform right. So clearing cash and cookies, in my experience, actually makes a pretty big difference. What do you think? I 100% agree. Yeah, no, it's it's mostly browser related too, right? It doesn't matter if you're using Chrome, Firefox, Safari, any browser saves cache and cookies. And a lot of programs that we use online, they're all cloud-based now, right? You just open a web tab and you, boom, you're working. You're getting to what you're doing, right? And sometimes it has problems with passwords or sometimes it doesn't load something that it used to. And that's typically your cache and cookies, 
So yeah, 100%. If you're having browser issues, if something's autofilling when it shouldn't autofill or it's not autofilling or whatever, any browser-related issue that you're having issues with, I would definitely 100% strongly recommend have you have you tried to clear your cache and cookies. Excellent. There's a program for it too. I, I think most people are familiar with it and you have to be careful when you install it because it's going to try to install some bloatware, but it's CCleaner. CCleaner is actually, I use it from time to time just to easily clear my cache cookies, Windows saved credentials, just all that junk information that's being constantly stored. CCleaner is actually a really good tool to just simply hit fix or scan issues, and then it takes care of it for you. So, All right, what's next on the list? Another good one that if you're having issues, let's say you're kind of, let's just say you're at work or maybe you're even working from home and, and let's say you're having an issue with a certain program or maybe you can't print or maybe you're trying to save something but it won't let you, whatever issue that you might be having, something really good to do that helps us IT people out before we start troubleshooting going down a rabbit hole, have you asked if somebody else is having the same issue as you? That helps us out a lot because at that point we can kind of prioritize what the issue is, how big of the issue needs to be obviously prioritized and allows us to jump on it quicker if needed, right? But if you're having issues, reach out to one of your friends at work. Strongly recommend doing that or reach out to your boss or whoever, reach out to a group of people. Maybe you're on a team, reach out to your team and just say, hey guys, I'm having issues with this particular issue. Is anybody having you know the same problem or experiencing it? And just see if more than one person is having that problem. That saved us a lot. And like I said, it helps us prioritize how important the issue is and is needed to be resolved, right? And and if somebody else had the issue, maybe they found a solution for it and then they can tell you and you don't even have to reach out to IT in that circumstance, right? So yeah, super important to ask if anybody else is having issues because that helps both parties out substantially, I would say. For sure. Yeah. A couple of other ones. We live in a dangerous world right now. Everything is all tech-based. I hate it, but I love it. And I'm pretty sure that speaks to everybody, right? We came from a world where tech was evolving very quickly in the early 2000s. We're in 2022. Everything is tech now. It doesn't matter what you do. Everything is tech-related. If you want to buy something at Best Buy, they recommend buying it online first, right? Your cars are all technology. Everything is, is slowly shouldn't say slowly, quickly, <laughs> revolving into computers and, and everything else, right? And it's a scary world because with that, cybersecurity is, is a huge problem. And the biggest one, a couple big ones are like social engineering and emails. And one quick tip and one awesome troubleshooting thing is if you got a fishy email or maybe the email looks off or even just generic email, Always verify by simply looking at the from email address who it actually came from. Yep. It takes 20 seconds, if that, to actually see who the email came from before a catastrophic event could take place, right? I can easily go to gmail.com and create a random email address but impersonate you, Derek, if I wanted to, because I could use your first and last name. And when I send an email, that's what most people see right off the bat is your first and last name, right? I can impersonate anybody I want, but the email address is probably going to be different than your actual email address, right? Yeah. So it's very, very, very critical that you triple check that from address before you send bank information, before you make an accidental mistake and lose money or whatever, right? Yeah, I've noticed that on the rise lately, 
not just the emails in general, but with the boldness. Yeah. Any kind of, we'll call it a quote, professional outreach. They come from Gmail and Yahoo accounts. If it's a business, I cannot think of a legitimate business that doesn't have a business email. You might have some really fresh, very small companies that, you know, the G Suite is just what they have to use, but that doesn't last very long until they just bite the bullet and actually get a proper business email service. Yeah, I've noticed that pretty frequently. In fact, I was watching because the same person every time emailing me about the same subject, I have five different email addresses that they're using because I keep blocking the other ones, reporting it. Yep. So yeah, it's a pretty common. Check that from address. Yeah, always, 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 always check the from address. And you might be as secure as possible, right? Your organization, whatever it is that you're doing, you might have two-factor authentication set up on your machine or, or email or whatever it is that you're doing. But what about the people that you're always talking to? What about the vendors that you're talking to? We've seen it a lot where these vendors are getting hacked. They're, they're getting the credentials into someone's email account. And now they can look at all of the emails that you have been having with this individual. And now they're going to impersonate who you've been talking to. Yep. Right? That's a scary one, too. And I would recommend that, like, before you send any money to somebody, <laughs> call them. Oh, yeah. Always call them, like pick up the phone and, and quickly give them a phone call and say, hey, are you really wanting, you know, $500,000 or are you really wanting, you know, $50 in gift cards? Yeah. That, that's a pretty common one right now, too. It's a simple phone call that can save you a lot of money, potentially, right? So, yeah, just be very, very careful when looking at emails and always double check that from address. It's as simple as that. Yeah, we saw a big example of the vendors causing problems for the companies last year. Toyota in Japan shut down, oh, was it seven or nine of their manufacturing plants yep. because of a security breach, but it was actually the microchip manufacturer that was one of their vendors that got the hack and it affected Toyota and they had to shut down for a little over a week. Yep. So yeah, vendors are a very big deal. Yeah, just be very careful. Same with like social engineering too. People are really good at impersonating. I've heard stories of these individuals calling like T-Mobile for instance, right? And social engineering their way and getting your SIM card, like yep. another SIM card sent to them. And once they get that SIM card, they plug it into a random phone that they have and, and now they're you. They have all your phone numbers, whatever's stored on that SIM card, that they are you. And they can do whatever it is that they want. So be careful with, with social engineering on, on everything, really, I would say. Absolutely. And we talked to a guy named Chester. I mean, he's over cybersecurity. And he's done cybersecurity since basically the day the internet started. And he goes to um, the DEF CON. Yeah. And they actually have uh, social engineering competitions. Yep. And if you're curious, I'm pretty sure they've recorded some of them. They're on YouTube and stuff. Watching these people show off their skills when it comes to social engineering is unreal. Yeah. One lady had a recording of a crying baby. That's the one I was just going to bring up. Yep. And got into, I think it was a bank that she was getting a hold of and got into somebody's account because she was acting all flustered because the baby was crying. It's unreal and uncanny how effective it is. Yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. So pay attention to what questions you're answering. Yeah. Not, that was the one I was going to bring up was the, the crying baby. Like she just pulled up a random YouTube video of the crying baby impersonated like somebody's, somebody's wife, <laughs> you know, and got into his bank account information and got whatever she wanted. So, yeah, it's very scary. And if you're interested, definitely go check that out on YouTube. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> 
But yeah, just be careful when it comes to, to cybersecurity. A lot of times, like there's a lot of like, you could always ask your IT department because I know what we do here at Executech through our, our partner Sophos with our antivirus, anti-ransomware, spam filtering, things like that. We have phishing campaigns and maybe your IT does it too where your IT can send, they can build a, an email out, maybe it's from Dropbox or wherever and throw your entire organization into a, a phishing campaign and see how many people click on it. And once they do, it forces them to go through a training, like yep. things to look out for. So I strongly recommend that if you're having issues or not even just having issues with your organization and, and phishing and, and spoofing and just email security, just general guidance and general like, hey, Maybe we once a quarter we look at this or once annually, right? We look at this and, and just throw out a phishing campaign and make people aware and make people go through a simple training because it can save you thousands and thousands of dollars for sure. Absolutely. And one of the things those test is the reporting percentage as well. Not just those who clicked on the link and may or may not have tried to log in wherever it brought them, but also what percentage of your staff mentioned it, forwarded it on to IT, said, hey, this looks really suspicious, or said, hey, I filled this out, and right after I did, I realized that it was a mistake. Here's all the information. And we've talked about it a lot of times on the show when it comes to cybersecurity. The amount of time between you accidentally divulging some information and realizing that you did something wrong and the time that it takes you to report it to IT is pretty crucial. Yeah. Yep. Even if you just like, hey, I think this might be fishy, report it. Yep. Send an IT help desk ticket, whatever it is that you do, and we'll take a look at it and we'll let you know if it's legitimate or if it's not. No, that was a good one. Another good kind of troubleshooting tip for everybody. This kind of, I guess, just applies to everybody is the fact that like we have seen so many computers and so many things that people are having issues with where they're so old that it's probably a waste of time. And no offense to those like people or those computers or whatever that they have. It's just like, is it really worth my time? Is it worth your time? Is it worth everyone's time to even try to make this thing work, right? Windows 7's a thing of the past. People still love Windows 7. Windows 7 was probably one of the best operating systems ever created, at least through, through Microsoft, right? But I'll tell you right now, as soon as I see a Windows 7 machine in 2022, I won't touch it. I'll tell you straight up, like, hey, I need you to upgrade this machine. It's not worth fixing. Right. Yep. And you kind of have to gauge that if you're submitting a help desk ticket and you're having issues and maybe you've been having a lot of issues with the same unit or the whatever, maybe it's time to really consider replacing the unit. Yep. And a lot of times we're good at like transferring things over. Right. Sometimes we can clone your operating system. Everything looks the same. I don't recommend cloning all of the time, but it has its perks here and there. But we do it all the time. Right. We'll transfer all your data over. We'll do whatever we got to do. It's just a small learning curve for you. And and sometimes it might be a very big learning curve, depending on what you're coming from. But a big one is, is it even worth trying to fix or just replacing as a whole, right? Absolutely. It sucks when it comes to Apple, though, with that, too, because Apple has admittedly stated every new iPhone that we release or computer we release, all of the older ones we make slower. <laughs> yep, they do that. I'm a huge fan of Apple and iPhone, but yeah, they, they are not without their many, many flaws. Yeah. Like I just, I recently updated, <laughs> funny enough, my work phone, iPhone 8, and I couldn't have been more happy because that thing was ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, quick little tip thing. It's not worth anyone's time to try to fix something that's like five, 10 years old. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's time to replace it. Yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, other than that, that that's kind of like just the basics that we recommend. You know, reach out to somebody else if and see if they're having issues. If you tried to reboot it, cleared your cache and cookies, pretty basic stuff. But they actually go a long way in, in resolving a lot of problems. So try those things before reaching out and putting in a, a help desk ticket or whatever. Because a simple reboot or clear cache and cookies or something could fix your problem immediately for you. Yep. They're cliches for a reason. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, for the last little bit of this, let's dive into some cringeworthy tickets. Yeah. I've got a lot. Some of them are pretty bad. (laughs) I'm not going to go through a lot of them, but I've I've got a, a few of them. So one big one that makes me laugh every single time I think about it. People think that uh, monitors are computers, all right? Mm-hmm. So there's one time an individual submitted a ticket and was like, hey, I can't get my computer to turn on. The ticket was submitted. Somebody reached out and was like, hey, happy to help you with this. Gave them a call. And we tried to walk that user through turning on the machine, right? Two hours have gone by at this point, and the computer's still not on. The individual was trying to turn the monitor on, thinking that that was the computer. Didn't work. We tried a bunch of things, like the power strip on the ground, the power cable plugged into the wall, whatever, right? We're trying to guide this user to, to figure out, make sure it had power. Well, nothing nothing worked, right? We could not get this computer to turn on just the simplicity of not knowing the difference between the two. So finally, we were like, hey, you've got a keyboard and a mouse, right? The user's like, yeah, of course I do. And we're like, all right, cool. Well, most keyboards and mice have a wire, right? And that wire you can track down to the little black box, wherever it is, which is your computer. And we ask the user, like, hey, take either the the mouse or the keyboard, doesn't matter. Trace that wire down to the little black box. And once you see the black box, press the power button and your computer will turn on. Well, the next response we got was, well, my keyboard and mouse is wireless, and we, <laughs> we can't do anything. <laughs> At that point, there was nothing we could do over the phone anymore. We've, we've done everything. We exhausted everything we could. Keyboard and mouse was wireless. I don't know what else you want us to do. <laughs> so we had to go on site. We literally had to send somebody to go on site and to press the power button on the machine. <laughs> now, I guess we, we should have prefaced. This is, of course, all in, in good fun. We've all had those moments. Absolutely. Actually, just I think it was before our last podcast, I was trying to get my camera and everything set up. So your computer, obviously, it has a webcam. I have a DSLR just above it, and that's what I use for these podcasts. So I have it on, and I'm looking at my video feed, and I'm trying to adjust the exposure on my camera, and it's not working. I'm getting so annoyed. So I'm, of course, power cycled it, turned it off, turned it back on, unplugged it, plugged it back in, and I cannot get the settings to change. And it's because the feed that I was looking at was actually from my computer webcam, not the DSLR. Ah. (laughs) I'm trying aggressively to change the settings on my camera, and it wasn't changing because I was looking at a completely different feed from a different camera. So that is amazing. It happened to the best of us. (laughs) It does. You know, and, and a good thing to go along with that is, especially when it comes to IT people like myself and other people that are pretty technical, we'll see a ticket come in and we'll start troubleshooting this issue and we'll tell ourselves like, Oh, there's no way that it can be as simple as this. Yep. And then we go two hours down a rabbit hole and we're trying all of these super advanced things and it's just not working. And finally we come to the conclusion of like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try this. There's no way this is going to be the solution because it's the easiest thing in the world. And that was the solution. 
right? That is the curse of a professional. <laughs> yeah, no, we do it all the time. And I'm, I'm sure that's to every profession that's out there, right? Anybody fixing cars, oh, that can't be the problem. And it turns out it is, right? So that's another thing that maybe can go into the troubleshooting steps, depending on your profession. I, I think it could apply to everybody, but just try the basic thing that you might not think it is because it might fix it, right? <laughs> Excellent. But yeah, that was a good one. You know, not being able to turn on a computer, that's actually pretty common and no offense to anybody. I know technology is, is hard for a lot of folks and, and that's totally okay. That's why I have a job and that's why, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there is a difference between your desktop and a monitor for sure. Very much. Love it. So some more cringeworthy stuff that we've dealt with a lot. Passwords, man. I, I don't know. Passwords. I, I don't understand how passwords are so difficult for so many people. And again, no offense to anybody who's listening, but passwords, like, I don't know. There's just every account you have has a password <laughs> yeah. and you must remember it. Right. And if you don't, it, it should be as simple as hit that forgot password link. It'll email you or text you something saying, hey, forgot the password, enter a new one as long as you have access to your email, but they're always, yeah. it kind of goes in that circle of like, well, I can't get in my bank account. I don't remember my password. All right, cool. Let's do forgot password. What's your email address? Well, here's my email, but I don't know what my password is to my email. Yeah. And it just, it's a loop, right? So passwords are, are a huge thing. A lot of people write their passwords down. Do I recommend doing that? Absolutely not. I didn't see anything if I saw it on some occasion, right? Excellent. So yeah, here's a good one. One of our team leads, one of our individuals here was, was helping out a user, just having fun, having issues with passwords. We had to reset the password for whatever reason, because probably they didn't remember it or something. <laughs> but the individual reached out and was like, oh, I didn't know that you could use the shift button to capitalize a letter. I've just been using caps lock this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there's a difference. Caps Lock will allow you to have full caps with every single letter that you type, or you could just hit it once in the first letter and hit it again, and it's lowercase. But the shift key, if you hold it, <laughs> it does allow capitalized letters. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Because every single time that we were trying to help the user like type the new password in, we would see, oh, Caps Lock is on, and your computer tells you that uh, like on a lock screen when you're trying to type in your password for like, the first time you log in, right? If your mm -hmm. caps lock is on, it's going to alert you. And every single time that, that that individual tried to enter the password, we saw caps lock on, caps lock on. And it wasn't working. <laughs> so like, hey, I think you're typing too quickly. Just use the shift button. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yep. <laughs> There's another uh, troubleshooting for a password issue. Look for that little green light or white light on your keyboard if that caps lock is on. I know that's got me before where I've accidentally bumped it and I'm getting really frustrated trying to get the password. I know I'm typing it right, but it's irrelevant because my caps lock was on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Here's one that I'll just read. This, this was an actual ticket. My USB cord from the modem to the computer for projection to my other monitor is not being recognized. It has frozen a screenshot, apparently, on my large monitor, and I won't recognize when it's plugged in. Oh. I don't even know what that means. No. <laughs> <laughs> a USB cord from the modem? Modem's your internet, but yeah. it's, it's funny. A lot of times we just have to call them like, hey, it sounds like probably your docking station, maybe? To your monitor, not your modem. <laughs> and that, that's a fun thing that IT people do with all the time is like these people will submit these tickets like so. And we have absolutely no idea what people are trying to tell us. 
at all. <laughs> so that's wonderful. Good times. But it's better than a vague ticket. So everybody out there, when you're reaching out to IT, do them a favor, put as much detail as you can. <laughs> Please. Yeah, no, that, that's what we talked about last podcast, too, is. You know, don't be vague and don't get frustrated when you are vague, right? <laughs> Even if you don't know what you're talking about, like I just said with the USB and the modem cable and projection and all that stuff, that's okay. <laughs> that gave us a good thought of, oh, it's probably a docking station, right? That person wasn't vague at all, didn't know what they were talking about, but they gave us enough information for us to assume what they were talking about. So yes, even if, if you're afraid or whatever, just don't be vague. Include as much information as you possibly can. Because at the end of the day, we'll probably figure it out. And if not, we'll just call you and say, hey, what are you talking about? Can you FaceTime us? Can you, like, send us a picture of what it is that you're looking at right now? (laughs) Excellent. And I think we've got time for one more if you've got it. I'm looking. I'm looking. Some people, I've got two tickets here that people don't know how to scroll on their laptop. Usually two fingers, if you didn't know. (laughs) Or if you're on an older computer, there are some windows where it's in the far right corner of the little touch bar. (laughs) I hate it when they're set like that. Most of the new machines, Apple's always been this way because Apple's better than everybody, but two-finger scroll. (laughs) And you can change it in Apple, too. And a lot of times with Apple, you can, like, slide different ways and it opens different, you know, programs that you already have open. Apple does a great job with their their scrolling. Highly recommend it. But yeah, usually it's just the two finger up and down. We'll scroll for you. <laughs> I got one quick one and then just a, an awesome story that I thought was pretty funny. And, and parents will definitely have to keep their eye out for this. But before we jump into that one, here's one literally quoted. I want my scans to arrive like they did before when they would be clicked and created on a file to pop up in the bottom with a number named for it like it used to. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Hey, you know, that was enough information for you to understand probably what the issue is, right? (laughs) Even though it didn't make sense, it was enough information for you to assume what that person was probably talking about. (laughs) This one goes out to the parents. We we got this last year, I think, but an individual from a high school, I don't know, I, I don't even know how this happened, but somebody attending high school got our help desk phone number and added it to their student record or something and never showed up to school so we were getting voicemails from the high school saying hey this student did not show up to school today oh my gosh yep (laughs) Uh uh-huh and that happened for probably like a good week or so like this kid just never showed up to school and every single like end of the day we would receive a a phone call from the high school saying like hey so-and-so didn't show up today Honestly, what a genius that kid is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Good on that individual for figuring out a way to put our phone number, our help desk number on his student record so he doesn't get caught by his parents for sloughing. So beware. Once he's not grounded anymore, he can come out for an internship with ExecuTech because those kind of problem-solving skills. (laughs) That kid has a bright future, I'll tell you that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But yeah, parents... Like I said, be aware and make sure that your kid isn't adding a random IT help desk phone number so they can slough their classes. <laughs> Amazing. That's wonderful. Well, I really do appreciate it, Cody. Great stories and some great tips. Definitely have you back on here in the near future. I'd love it. We'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. 
Thank you again, Cody, for joining me. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. See ya. Yeah. Thank you.